Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Dan Hillenbrand uh, on the Modern Cowboy Podcast this morning. Um, got a great guest this morning that I'm really excited to talk to. Uh, you know, everybody uh, in life, we all go through things. We all have struggles. We all have to deal with with hardships, and uh, everybody's hardship and story is different. Um, here on the uh, Modern Cowboy Podcast, you know, we we uh, talk to lots of different people um, in all different, you know, aspects of, of life, and but people who exemplify, you know, just toughness and grit, and in which is what basically you know cowboys are are made up of, and and uh, my guest this morning here uh, exemplifies that in spades. Um, uh, Pete Wagner, he's a uh, country music recording artist, and um, he's had a unfortunate set of events that occurred, and uh, he has. Uh, more than persevered and his, his story is, is inspiring and, uh, and, uh, heart wrenching at the same time. But, uh, we'll, we'll let, uh, Pete tell us, uh, you know, his story and, uh, what he's got going on now. Um, Pete, welcome to modern cowboy. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. And, and everyone listening, uh, good morning. If you're in, uh, the time zone where it's still morning for me, it's noon. So, if you're in if you're in that time zone, well, good afternoon, everybody. So yeah, and you're excited you're, to be on. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you here, Pete. And you're in Florida, right? I am in Florida. I'm not from Florida, but uh, I am from Florida. Oh, I'm actually not from Florida. I live in Florida since 2009. I'm basically was born in Nebraska and grew up in Colorado. So um, that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, and you and I, uh, we, we, we have a mutual friend uh, that you've known a long time, uh, Trent Wilmon, who actually uh, licensed his song, The Rope and Pin, to, to the show here that we use. Um, yeah, 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 Trent and I go back. Uh, I met Trent when um, I had two, uh, I'm going to mention my co-writer's name that I've worked with all the time, uh, Mr. Tim Beasy, great friend of mine. Uh, I wrote with him for many years on songs and we had some success um, back in the 2005, 2006 era uh, with a couple songs that uh, we were fortunate enough to have uh, Mr. Jamie Johnson uh, record for us as demos and it just blew up and uh, kind of got me some recognition uh, in Nashville and um, I was on my path and on a way uh, where I never thought I'd reach, but I was going to keep on reaching anyway. So I met Trent on a, uh, on a showcase, and uh, it was at Tootsie's on the upper deck there in Nashville on Broadway, and uh, had a few beers and uh, talked life and talked about his new single that he had coming out. And, uh, yeah, so we kind of, you know, he remembered me from going to his shows all around the country because I used to, I used to tour myself a little bit and, and then I used to go to people that I like a lot and I was fortunate enough to see Trent several times cause I was, I really, really enjoyed him and his music and his stage show. And he was a great guy down to earth, humble, 
And uh, so he, he remembered me by my by the way I was dressed. Uh, matter of fact, he's like, you ain't from Nashville. I said, no, you're right, Trent. I ain't. He says, I can tell by the shape of your hat and the boots you're wearing and how you wear your jeans. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, and I, I said something at the, at the table, even though I'm not from Texas, I'm like, yeah, you can take the cowboy out of Texas, but you know, the Texas will always be in the cowboy. And, um, he kind of chuckled at that. So yeah, that's how we met. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. That's great. Now, and what, what a recording artist he is as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now, um, so you were, you know, uh, you know, doing music and, and, and writing music. And then, you know, you ended up uh, having an unfortunate event. Uh, you want to just go ahead and, and give us a backstory, you know, on you? And, yeah, I'll try to explain it the best I can, Dan. Um, well, I was, uh, as, a young, as a young kid, I was a type 1 diabetic. But I was always pretty healthy. And, um, uh, you know, you, it, it's just a... You know, it's a it's a tough disease to, to begin with, but if you manage it, it's very manageable. Well, I was, uh, yeah, touring a lot in the in, and singing nonstop, plus trying to be a. At that time, I was a husband um, and and a father, so I was trying to do it all at once, and and plus work a full time job and do the music, and it just got to me, and I started taking a supplement. Um, back then that was, wasn't regulated by the FDA, but it was sold over the counter and at, uh, vitamin shops and, and so forth. But back then it, it was called the Fedra and the most popular drug that it was in that, er, that people might recognize was a, was a, a drug for weight loss called Fenfen. And that had high a dose of real, real high uh, dose of that drug called the Fedra. And what it does, what that Fedra does is it speeds up your metabolism. And it's kind of like a, a nose dose, uh, like a nose, a, a no dose pill that's on, you know, I don't know, hundred pots of coffee. And so I started taking that, um, over the counter, just buying it like a vitamin and it was giving me that extra oomph and that, you know, to get me by every day, I guess. And, um, about a year and a half after taking that, I went into cardiac arrest after a gig, I got back home and I woke up about two o'clock in the morning. Like I couldn't breathe and um, uh, I ended up getting out of bed and walking towards the restroom in our house. And I fell right in front of my daughter's door. And my daughter was uh, 10 years old at this time. And she came running out saying, daddy, daddy, what's wrong? And all I could say is, honey, I can't breathe. Call 911. And she ended up, she was, she's my miracle. She's my angel. And um, she ended up calling 911 and uh, they told her what to do. She found aspirin. She crushed him, crushed him up, started stuffing him in my mouth because I was going in cardiac arrest. Well, I ended up coding um, by the time that the paramedics got there. And all the paramedics knew me because I was in a small town, uh, ranch community. And, and I did a, lot of, did a lot of work on the ranches and feedlots and so forth. So, um, um, you know, everybody kind of knew me from, you know, from entertainment as well. And uh, they rushed to me as quick as I can. I ended up coding. By the time they get there, they trachotomy, uh, did a trach on me, got me back with a low enough pulse and rushed me to the hospital, which was a good 35, 40 miles away. And, uh, they did all their scans, saw the damage in the heart from the cardiac arrest and decided, uh, the next day to go ahead and do a bypass surgery. I mean, try to correct 
a problem and that set off a chain of events. Um, when they got me on the operating table and cut me open, uh, my body ended up failing all at once due to a spinal infarction. And unless you're in the medical field, you might not know what that is, but an infarction is when there's a block of air that enters the top of your spinal column and it travels all the way down your spinal column and it cannot be stopped. And when it hits wherever it's going to hit the first is where the, da the damage can be, can be serious. It, sometimes not so serious, but in my case, it was very serious. It, it rendered at the T10 area of my spine, which is my abdomen through my hips and my partial legs. And so it separated all that artery mass that's there and into your, both your uh, legs as well. So when that happened, they couldn't get my liver, my pancreas, uh, my uh, kidneys, or my heart working. And so I had to go on life support, and I was rendered paraplegic automatically um, from that scenario. But I didn't know I was until um, eight months later, um, I had uh, an occurrence where I was on a national transplant list for all the organs that needed to be transplanted. So the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville called and they had a candidate available and they decided to try to save my life, which I have a rare blood type. So I was really down far on the list where they knew I probably wasn't going to live. And for some reason they decided that this was a special case and they flew down um, and picked me up and flew me to Jacksonville, landed there, started going through all the procedures and during that time frame I ended up getting osteomyelitis in my left leg um, due to lack of blood flow uh, in the bone marrow and so I had to get that amputated automatically so it wouldn't go up to the heart because it can rush right to your heart and basically cause you to go into cardiac arrest or heart complete heart failure and so they had to amputate my leg and they started proceeding on with doing all the transplants. I had um, massive heart reconstruction along with part of my left ventricle transplanted and then liver, kidneys, and pancreas all at the same time. Oh, and man. yeah, it was quite, I know it, it sounds terrible and I don't like to make it sound terrible because I try to be as positive as possible, but it's no fun. And it, and I, you know, it, it's something that you know, I, I never imagined in my in my million years that anything like this would happen. You know, when we're younger, we think we're invincible and, and nothing's going to happen. But I'm telling you, you got to be careful in life because you never know. It can change on a time. And in a matter of, you know, less than two minutes, my whole life went from great to being what I am today. But I think I'm better today than I ever was, to be honest. You know, I'm very thankful. and. Uh, I know I've got on my side and I, and I have a lot of faith and um, I think some people are just meant to go through certain things uh, in life in order to, uh, you know, maybe improve themselves, not only, but also spread the, spread the joy and happiness that can be still lived. And, um, you know, I'm not saying I don't have bad days because I have plenty of bad days, but I'm pretty fortunate where I was capable and tough enough to go through the grit, like you say, in the grind and, and learn how to do things as I once did with some limited, you know, some, some, 
limited things that I can't do, obviously. Um, but for the most part, I'm living the same life, just, you know, uh, in a, in a different way. Yeah. Now, so <clears throat> you had, uh, five organs transplanted then in total, correct? Well, it's actually four. Four. Um, okay, the four. heart, the heart is not transplanted. It was reconstructed, but the left ventricle was, um, oh, yeah. and then, that, it, that it, that, then it was, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's then just, it was my, then it was the liver, kidneys and pancreas. Okay. Yeah. And and that in and of itself, just you know, transplanting part of the heart. I didn't even, I didn't even know that they did that. You know, and then reconstruction of the left ventricle, which yeah, yeah, is, is amazing. <laughs> and now you have to um, uh, take medications, correct, for the uh, so the I organs do. don't um, aren't rejected. Yeah, the two med- the two main medications that I take for um, they're they're anti rejection meds. So it, what it does, it basically it, it tears down your immune system so no bad bacteria can attach. And they're called Prograph and Celsef, or Tacrolimus and uh, Microphenolate is the uh, is, uh, name that's given to them. But um, they're, they're also called Prograph or Celsef. And those drugs prevent me from any immune, you know, immunities attaching to the organs and going into failure, failure early. You know, that's not a guarantee but they have to be monitored so your levels don't get too high or too low. And they try to keep you right in the middle with the medication, but I have to take those twice daily. Yeah. Right. And then you, uh, you just had a surgery again here on what was last Thursday, right? Yeah. On the 16th, I sure did. Yeah. Well, here's some hard, you know, I go out in pastures and I, I'm, and I help friends with uh, that I have here in Florida install in their stalls, scooping out stalls, even in my wheelchair. And I guess this years of hard wheeling, I don't quit. You know, I, I have that no quit mentality. Right. Years of hard wheeling has basically torn um, the tendons in both my forearms from my wrist up to my elbows. So I've had my left arm done just this last past Thursday. And then um, when the stitches and I get healed up from that, I'm going to have my right arm done. So. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. going through, so I just went through that as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're still going through it. I mean, you just, you had the surgery on Thursday. And so, and uh, it, yeah, 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 that's correct. Yeah. Man. So, so how old were you when, when, when that happened in, in two, you, in 2000, was that 2009 that I happened? Was, yeah. Gosh, you're going to get my age away. Um, yeah. So I was 36 when all that happened. No kidding, man. Yeah, young age, young age in the prime of your life and everything is, and like I said, I had just uh, had done a showcase in Nashville and then um, two of the, I was signed with Blue Desert Records, which is a a branch off of uh, Warner Brother Records, Nashville, and two of their signed artists, two of the songs that I wrote with Tim, uh, Tim Beasy, were going to be their first singles and they were already getting so much success. Um, but to have those come out as two first singles open the door wide open for me, because what happened is during that showcase, um, for those two artists and the two songs that happened, um, I was approached by the four, uh, executives that own the record label and they liked my look and they wanted to know more about me. So I was still married at that time to my ex-wife. I was married for 13 years. Um, but then things kind of just, I, I guess I should just say, fell apart after 
my tragedy happened, but, um, um, they approached us. I wanted us to go back for a private meeting. And so I did that. And they asked me all these questions, had me sing for them. And, and next thing you know, um, I'm in, I'm in contact with one of them all the time and getting a record, you know, getting a record deal started, you know, for me coming in and recording. So it was pretty amazing process how that all happened. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've always been into music and well, I started out being a cowboy. I was the black sheep of the family. Um, I had a grandfather that owned hotels and, and, uh, casinos and, and nightclubs around the country, but he also was into horses and he was in the thoroughbreds and I, he would go over to Xarbin, which was in Omaha, Nebraska, which was a huge racetrack. And, He'd go over there and talk to the suits, and I'd be over there in boots and jeans, helping the cowboys and the staff in the back. And that's how, when I was probably four or five years old, and that's what got me hooked. And ever since then, you know, it hasn't quit. I, you know, I, I left home at an early age as well, and I, I worked on a ranch full-time, uh, cattle ranch. And then I also got into dairying. I, I was a dairy farmer and I became dairy boss. And then towards the later end, before I left Colorado, I really got into Percherons. And that became my, oh, just a big passion of mine, learning how to team up these beautiful draft horses and, and working them and, and, and harnessing them and, and taking care of them. There's gentle giants and they're, and they're just so beautiful to watch. And um, so I've done it all, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, from branding to, to castrating to, having a big old uh, Rocky Mountain Oyster piece after after that. You know, it's just, I, I've kind of done a little bit of it all all my life. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful for that life because I could have gone down a lot of dark roads. And uh, I think that life kept me pretty stable and steady and uh, very true to myself. Yeah, well, that, that, that's And then that's in amazing. high school, I was also in, the, in, out, in high school, I was also in a rodeo. Um, not, never a writer. I, I broke plenty. I, I tried i should say breaking horses um a lot of colts uh and when i when i'm saying colts and yearlings i meant like two year two year old three year olds but um yeah i broke or, or they broke me uh a lot but i never got into riding bulls or anything like that i was a pickup man for a high school team but then i always my my goal was since i was an entertainer i always wanted to be a barrel man but i never got there and uh uh but i have a lot of respect for bullfighters and and the barrelman that's for sure that's very cool well you you know you i mean you were you were only 36 then i mean you're still you know very young um you know how how long after you know the, the event you know did it take for you to just like gather your senses and 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 you know kind of get back on some sort of an even keel to where you're you know you it you felt like yeah. your life stable was a little was stable again or you know if that makes sense yeah, it does make sense because, you know, basically I remember I, I do, you know, people are like, how can you remember all that? I can remember going on life support when they first put me on. And um, I remember the team of doctors at Mayo coming in and say, you're, you're probably never going to walk again. And you lost your leg. And I just looked at them and I said, all right, what's next? You know, and uh, let's go. And they said, well, you can't move that quick. So I spent three and a half years in bed um hooked up to a feeding tube because when I arrived in Florida, um being on life support and my body failing, I'm five ten and I've always weighed about hundred and seventy 
maybe 175 pounds at the most. But when I arrived in Florida, um, I, I arrived in Florida, I, I got down to 121, 22 pounds. And I look like, you know, basically I tell people I look like a zombie from The Walking Dead. And uh, so I was hooked up to all these feeding tubes to feed the organs and also feed my nutrition. And um, so I had to stay in bed because they didn't want me moving much. And they'd come in with a harness and lift me up to rotate me, basically. And I stayed in that in that position for about three and a half years recovering. And then after that, um, I did, you know, physical therapy and basically occupational therapy, not for speaking, but for just for living purposes. Mm-hmm. And um, after about a year or so, a total of four years, and they sent me off and I, I found a place that was only about an hour away, which um, from the hospital. And plus, I'm maybe I don't know, two miles from the rodeo grounds in my county. Um, so I found a place that I, I thought was suitable for me. And, um, and yeah, I ordered a wheelchair, uh, got to going, and uh, I basically did it on my own because I felt I've always had that thing where I'm not a reader, I'm a seer. So mm-hmm. if, I, if, I, if I just do it, I, I'm, I'm more better, or I should say that's not a word, but better at doing things as as I go. You know, make your mistakes, make your falls, get back up and go. And so I got a wheelchair and uh, was just wheeling around the house and I was going down, you know, to the rodeo grounds and learning how to maneuver around people and, and just act normally. And uh, And then I taught myself how to drive. I ordered some driving controls offline um, from a mobility store, got them in the mail through UPS, uh, bought, bought a little hatchback car and uh, installed them myself. And, and uh, when I got them in, I, you know, tried a couple turns around the parking lot and I said, all right, well, I'm just going to go. And so I got in, started heading down the highway, drove for about 50 miles, turned around, came back. I drove 100 miles in a day after putting them on and uh, went and took the driving exam and passed it. So um, man, that's basically it. You know, I was basically pretty much all alone until my daughter. My daughter did want to come live with me, which I'm thankful for, um, before the company especially. And uh, she uh, came and lived with me um, through part of her high school years. And, uh, you know, I was very, very thankful for that. And she's still here, uh, not living with me, but, uh, she's still pretty close by and, and I have her, uh, so I'm very thankful that, uh, she decided to come, you know, live here with me. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's amazing. I, I, I just sit here and listen to your story, Pete, and I just, it's just, uh, you know, hard to imagine, like you said, you you could have never imagined in you know a million years that anything like that you know would occur and that you know we all just have to take uh you know life is just so so fragile things can just change so quickly. it really is yeah yeah and it's so short yeah um, oh tell me know, life, yeah yeah well life is so short and 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 i get and i do get asked i i do go around and I talk, you know, anybody that wants to know, I'm, I open up to just because you never know who you can inspire maybe along the way. Right. And people tell me all the time that are still able-bodied people. They, you know, they're complaining and, and, and all this and that. And then, and they ask me, how did you do it? You know, I would have, 
you know, God knows what I, I would have done, man. I'm like, well, you know, it's just, uh, you know, you're only here once. So life's too precious and too sweet. Why make it even worse? And you just got to keep on going and you're going to have those hard days and you're going to have those embarrassing times and you're going to have, you know, all, all them faults, but you know, we all do. And, uh, no matter if you're able-bodied or impaired like me, and, uh, I don't like using the word disabled on myself that much, even though, you know, I'm classified disabled, but I'd rather say I'm impaired. Um, just because, you know, I, I get up every day, I go do things and I take care of myself. I push around a grocery cart if I have to, you know, I iron my clothes if I have to look nice, you know, and, uh, that, that in itself alone is, is, is quite the sight. You know, it's not easy getting dressed when you're a paraplegic and amputee. You got to put a leg on, fit it through your, you fit it through your jeans and, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's an everyday hassle, but I enjoy doing it because it's me. It, it reminds me of the old me. Right. And, um, it's just, uh, you know, I still go out and sing and, and, uh, and people still enjoy it. So, um, you know, I'm very thankful that I have a positive attitude. And like I said in the beginning of the program, I think God puts people through things for a reason that can handle it. And uh, he says he never gives you more than you can deserve, that you can handle. And uh, I believe that's a true lesson in life. You know, you, you really don't. It's just how you perceive it. Yeah. And he gives you all the tools. You just got to work with it. Yeah, ab- Absolutely. Now, you, I, I know you, you said that you're, you're singing some still. Are you, are you writing any music now? or? Um... Yeah, yeah, I sure am. Um, actually, I've wrote a lot of songs that I want to have recorded. Um, I don't have a publishing deal like I did, so recordings are kind of expensive, so I'm trying to save up for, for doing all that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm working with uh, – I'm still working with my buddy Tim Beasy, my co-writer, and uh, we got some great ideas, and um, – I come up with ideas all the time and I call him and he's like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so, yeah, I'm still writing, uh, still singing, um, when I can. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's something I just, I just enjoy that, you know, even though I can only make one person, you know, like it, it it's still enjoyable to me. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty much therapy and, uh, as well, it's, it's, it's a great therapy to have because you can be, you know, you're in a song is your life and uh, you can write a lot about yourself in the song and it might touch so many because it has so many different meanings. So, yeah. Now do you, um, did any of your injuries, did it affect your, your vocals at all? Your singing voice? Uh, it did. Yeah. Um, especially from the abdomen. Um, but I've, uh, you know, I've, I've learned how to sing more with the chest, uh, than anything. And, uh, you know, I try to sing every day, um, you know, whether it's to the radio or in the shower or, or just practicing. And, uh, and it did affect, you know, the high end of my voice, but, um, you know, I, I still, I've still been told anyway that my voice is pretty darn good. So, um, that makes me feel, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a boost of of confidence when somebody can, you know, enjoy your music and tell you that a total stranger, you know, or someone, you know, so that makes me feel good and makes me strive even harder. Yeah, that's great. And then you play, you play guitar too as well, right? Well, I've never been a, an accomplished guitarist. Um, I've only played a little rhythm. Okay. I, you know, I learned a long time ago where, uh, man, there's so many good musicians that, you know, uh, that's not for me. And, uh, 
But, you know, I do play a little, and, and luckily the surgery that I had, I wasn't able to do any any chords, which I only play three chords anyway, usually. But uh, I couldn't do hardly any chord progressions at all because my left hand was affected and I'm right-handed. So um, I'm hoping the surgery that calcified the knuckles as well um, will relieve some of that tension where I can pick up and, and play a little bit of rhythm again. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, what, uh, um, you, you, you got some other ideas that you, you talked about earlier, some things you were thinking about doing, um, uh, with, uh, you know, helping, helping other people, um, with, uh, impairments and, uh, um, you know, uh, what was that again about, uh, I, I forget the name of it that you said though about the, yeah, well, it has a, I haven't done anything with it yet. It's just been an idea, but, yeah, I, one of them is, is, is more t- towards that, um, helping others that are impaired, um, whether it be with multiple sclerosis or, uh, it, you know, any spinal injury, um, anything like that, that maybe, you know, not necessarily you have to be in a wheelchair like me all the time, but even if you are, or, you know, you are a paraplegic or an amputee, um, kind of, it's, it's more based around the cowboy theme and it's a great idea and it hasn't been started yet and i think it would be you don't even have to be a cowboy to do it it's just a it's a competition where it deals with roping of course but um and and a roping dummy but um um, i'm not sure if i should say the name what it stands for uh just i i am interested in doing it but all that takes you know partners and time and 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 of course income but um it's not that much income that would get it started, but uh, I, I just think it'd be a great event for for anyone to try because you know you have your basketball, you have your wheelchair basketball, you have wheelchair tennis, you have hockey, that sled hockey, right. and uh, you know there's so many other sports out there that are for uh, paraplegics, and I think this would fit right in that bracket where it, it's a healthy, fun camarader- camaraderie, like you know the cowboy the cowboy tradition is. It's a big right. camaraderie. And um, I think it'd be a great, you know, thing to uh, provide for people um, that maybe have some challenges in life and uh, or difficulties. And I, it just, I just think it'd be a global thing because on Instagram alone, I have several people that follow me that are in Brazil, Canada, and Australia that are impaired like me that still love the cowboy line, you know? Yeah. And uh I, I just think it could be a big global thing as well, but it's something that I would love to talk with somebody about, to be honest. I'm not trying to give a shout out if anybody's looking to hey, call me, but <laughs> if you are, if you are interested, please do, you know, or, or music as well. Um, you know, cause I'm, like I said, I'm not ready to give up yet. So. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's obvious, man. It's just, uh, beyond inspiring, you know, uh, you know, what, what you've, what you've gone through and what you've, you know, what you've done. And, and, uh, I mean, it's just ordering your own remote controls for your car and then. Yeah, I know. I, I, that, Dude, I don't recommend that. I, not that I'm <laughs> recommending it, you know, not, not at all, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you can do it, great. I go out in a field or a pasture or an open parking lot first, you know, maybe give it a whirl because, yeah. Uh, you have you have two sets of uh, hand controls, and I use the harder of the two. Right. Mine I can take out and put in any car um, or or truck, 
and uh, and mine are basically like two sticks coming out from the accelerator and brake. So you have to drive. You have to make sure you're driving an automatic transmission. Um, yeah. You can't drive, you know, your four bangers or or your fives anymore. So um, because if you're impaired like me, you can't hit that clutch. Right. But um, yeah, so. I don't recommend that, but you know, it's something that I knew I, I just had to do and I did it. And luckily I, I did all right. And it's not that I'm not daredevil at all, but, um, I just learned better at doing things, you know? That's great. Now you, you, you love something else that, that, that I love and that, you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast love is, is Western fashion. Um, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I've been that way all my life. You know, yeah. I, I've, I'd say probably at the age of five, I was wearing, I went from what my, what my papa and grandma would buy our Sears Roebuck jeans. And I, and I got into Wranglers right away because I, I was a huge fan of Waylon Jennings and I wanted to be just like Waylon when I was younger. Right. And, um, uh, then it became George Strait and, and so on. So, you know, I've always, I've always, uh, I've always had a cowboy hat since since long as I can remember. Looking back at pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like I've never changed. I, just with the fashion style, yeah. you know, uh, Wranglers turned into Harriets or Saints or, or or rock and roll denim, and you know, or, or what have you, whatever pleases you. But yeah, so I, I, you know, it's always been part of me. It's, it used to be Wranglers and Ropers, uh, Justin Ropers uh, for me until probably I was. I don't know, probably in my thirties. And then I started, uh, wearing areas and, 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 uh, and then areas turned into rock and roll denim. So, um, yeah. yeah. And slam and rock and roll denim is probably my favorite brand now. So. Yeah, that's, that's, well, it's, it's, it's so great how, you know, I, the fashion has progressed in, in Western world and rodeo. Cause I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with, well, I think it's something, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of in a class of our own, the, that the actual, you know, people that live the life. And, uh, I think that that's always going to be there throughout time. It's part of our, our, our American iconic history and some things just never go away. And I, and I, and I definitely believe that, uh, you know, the age of the cowboy will never die. And when I say cowboy, I mean cowgirl. I mean, it, it includes everybody. Absolutely. And, um, um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's so, it's so, I, I get so tickled when I meet people with sons or daughters that are, you know, uh, in the new generation that are coming up that are following the same footsteps as you and I did, you know, um, they're all over. I mean, if you're on Instagram, you can see them. And I wish I would have had a phone back in those days. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's been so many cool pictures I could have taken. Oh my gosh. You know, I working in, I work in the ranch in Colorado. I mean, it was so beautiful. I was on the Eastern slope and every day was a paradise, you know, and uh, whether we're, you know, taking a herd to a greener pasture on horseback, you know, and, I was never an excellent roper, but I did a lot of roping and, uh, I basically, you know, never did it for competition, but, uh, you know, just all those pictures that I think of that, you know, I, I could have taken. And if I would have had a phone like yeah. you do now, yeah. you know, it, it's so amazing for the younger generation to be able to share that with, with everyone, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, well, I've said it before on the podcast too. You know, a lot of people uh, criticize social media and so on and so forth, but it's it's like anything. You know, uh, social media is not bad. It's 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 what you choose to do. And if if people are on exactly. social media constantly, um, you know, and and writing, posting things that aren't true or whatever it may be, uh, then that's the person's you know responsibility for what they're doing, you know, but I think, oh, I think, exactly. I think yeah. social media has helped to bring, uh, you know, people together more. I, I know, it's, I know it's done that with me and, and meeting people just like, you know, just like you and, and having you on the podcast. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, it does a great service for, for all of us, you know, cause people can hear your story. Um, uh, and I'm still just sitting here, you know, in just, I, in awe of you, man. I mean, I just, I, I have so much respect for you for what you've, you know, gone through and, in and uh, just persevered and, you know, not let it get you down. And, and, you know, and there's stories all over, you know, the world, like you were saying of people to deal with it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I've got my own story, you know, that I'm not going to share right this second, but you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's like you say, you always think that you're going to be invincible and everything's just going to be like perfect throughout your life. And then, <clears throat> you know, real life happens and and like you say, a lot of people that are completely able-bodied and and you know don't have any you know uh, visual physical uh, yeah. yeah or physical uh, you know um, impairments or whatever uh, you know they they still struggle with things. We still you know everybody struggles with stuff, and it's oh just, my gosh, it yeah. just depends I mean, on where where you where you you know uh, just plan to meet it at you know um, and exactly. stories like yours you know really really help people. Uh, you know, to, to deal with things because it's like you say, I mean, every day, no matter what, and no matter who you are, uh, you know, life, life is a struggle and it, and, and it, it takes work and it just takes working together, I think, to, to make it, you know, make it better. It does. And one thing I'd like to add to, to that is you don't have to be in awe of me, Dan. I mean, I just, I, you know, I think we all do have struggles and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that, you reached out to me and, and we met because I consider you a great friend now and uh, and uh, someone that you know is honest and, and, and trustworthy and, and understands as well. Uh, but I think when you go through a situation such as I did, it not only humbles you out, but it makes you um, you know appreciate life in a different light that you once saw and, and appreciate so much more. And also going through this, I think you know, the human spirit, if you ask me, is a lot stronger than what we think it is. And we all have that fight in us. And um, it's just, you got to use it sometimes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, well, we're getting close to the end of our time here, Pete, but you know, you answered so many of the questions already in, in terms of, you know, we talked about fashion and stuff and in and, and boots and, and hats and you, your favorite hat brand is American American Hat Co. Now, do you you don't have a sponsorship deal sponsorship deal with them? Do you? No, I don't have a sponsorship um, with them. But if I have a go to hat, believe it or not, um, my second would be um, Rodeo King. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, I think for the price, it's a it's a great go to hat where you don't mind if you get a little dirt on it or or bent out of shape or or what have you. They pop right back. Um, but American is definitely my favorite hat company. Uh, I just think the fit and the quality is, you know, bar none, hands down the best. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, they're they're my favorite hat, and uh, I, I I believe in every cowboy should have their hat shaped the way they feel it represents them the most, and and uh, I always start with an open crown and, and a flat brim, and, and make sure that hat suits me just fine. Absolutely. Well, what we're gonna have to we'll have to throw that out there. Maybe we can, you know, get uh, get you a hat sponsorship, and then also maybe get the old uh, uh, Panhandle Slim and Rock and Roll denim to sponsor you as well oh that'd be awesome I, yeah <laughs> actually I, I have been in they, they have put me in their ass before um at least rock and roll denim did um they put because i you know use hashtag rock and roll denim every time i wear it so right um i was in one of their ads coming up for summer which was cool oh that's um, cool but but i don't have a sponsor with them but yeah um they are they are growing and I, I know they're becoming more popular in the rodeo culture and in the western fashion so um they're they're a great company so yeah absolutely hey one more question before we go um favorite cowboy movie oh my gosh i knew you're gonna ask this um there's so many um but it i it's got to be lonesome dove i i've watched it a thousand times i own it <laughs> um it's just, uh, you know, I'm a total guess. So, um, yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be Lonesome Dove. Uh, and then I, I, then my second would probably be Unforgiven. Yeah, um, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely my favorite. Yeah. It's hard to pick one in, 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 uh, well, it is because even recent ones that have come out like this Yellowstone. Oh my oh, God. I am, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, I've been on the Wyoming. I, I've, I've been on the Wyoming side of Yellowstone, but never the Montana. Yeah. And uh, and I've and I've known about Dutton all my, you know, for so long about the Dutton family, and and, and it, it's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. It's great show. So I recommend it anybody that's listening. If you haven't watched that series, we only have one. We only have yeah. one episode left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for this season, so. Yeah, and I'm bummed about that. I'm bummed about that. I was. Oh uh, my gosh, you and me both. I can't believe that 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 thing just needs to be continually running. You know. (laughs) I agree. I agree. It's something else, but it's uh, it's a it's a great it's a great flick, and it's on Paramount Network, and uh, they did a great job. And Kevin Costner, he's 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 a great actor for cowboys, and yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, hey, Pete. Hey, th- thanks again, man, for coming on and, and sharing your story. And um, I just look oh, forward- Dan, I, yeah, it's it's been an honor. It's 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 a great, you know, great. I'm so so thankful you had me on. Yeah, absolutely. And I just I look forward to seeing, you know, what you do down the road, and 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 also just look forward to meeting you uh, in person here. Um, oh, definitely. Got to make my way to Arizona for sure. Yeah, and I I got to make my way to Florida too. There's well, if you do, you let me know, and uh, vice versa. Yeah, that door swing both. That door will swing both ways for sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Pete, and then uh, we'll be talking to you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, man. All right, you do the same. I appreciate it, Dan. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer, saddle up old rock, and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the roping pen. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs, twenty thousand dollar horses. Then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, 
The minute we ride in to the rope and pen. can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pain And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack If you can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and Well, I ain't no play or speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down at the roping.